Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. Father, we thank you today that you will, uh, uh, Father, confirm the word that we preach with signs, with wonders, with miracle breakthroughs in every way, and that we would leave new beginnings today transformed by the renewing of God in our spirits, the renewing of the Lord in our soul, the renewing of the Lord in our bodies. Father, we claim that uh, our bodies are whole and healthy. You give us length of days. You give us a prosperous soul. And you give us eternal life and abundant life for which we are eternally grateful. We give you all the praise for it in the name of Yeshua, Jesus, our Messiah. Amen. Say amen. Give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. All the time. You know, next week, Lydia and I celebrate our 40th born-again birthday. Uh, March 11th, 1984, Christian Faith Center, Seattle, Washington. Uh, We come a long ways. (laughs) And God's not done with us yet, 40 years later. You know, we, we responded to an altar call in what became our home church. Uh, it was there we committed our lives to the Lord. Amen. We got on fire for God. Praise the Lord. And uh, uh, we learned what it meant to become new creations. Boy, did I, I need an extreme makeover. Remember that program? Uh, wasn't it called Extreme Makeover? That was me. And uh, we learned how important it was and how important it still is to this very day to understand what being born again really is all about. It's more than an altar call, although that's where it begins. We need to uh, take the next steps and understand that we've entered into a covenant agreement. Amen. Uh, And thank God we have a covenant-keeping God. He never blows it. But we do. (laughs) And so we need him not to leave us and forsake us, but we need him uh, in his mercy, in his compassion, in his love uh, to uh, renew us, forgive us, and bring us back into right relationship with him. And, you know, look, by the grace of God... uh, Uh, We learned quickly, 40 years ago, that the key to spiritual success and the key to moving forward uh, after being saved uh, was learning to know God, to learn about His divine nature, hallelujah, and to learn about this covenant. Right? If, if John 3.16 is all you got, it's enough to get you into heaven. <laughs> uh, but there's so much more. 
Amen. You don't want to get to heaven and you've been uh, uh, knowing John 3.16 for 25 years and then St. Peter asks you, what else you know? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing, honey. <clears throat> That's not a good place to be because you're going to get over in that line. All of y'all that are uh, not going to get a mansion, but you're going to get a, a little shack, get in this line. <laughs> Why? Because uh, you weren't a wise steward of your salvation. You became a carnal Christian. And instead of a believing believer, you just kind of got stuck in a moment, got stuck at the altar call and never moved on. course that doesn't resemble anyone here <laughs> I'm preaching to the choir so way back then 40 years ago one of my uh, favorite scriptures quickly became Psalm 103 it's a go-to scripture to this day and Psalm 103 uh, helps to define the nature of God, and the covenant working power of God. What he wants to do in our lives. What, what is this covenant all about? And it explains uh, so much why we love the Lord. Do you love the Lord this morning? <laughs> and it explains just how much he's done for us. There's many ways that happens. Come on Easter Sunday morning to pastor's sermon on the seven places Jesus shed his blood, and he'll do an illustrated sermon. You may, many of you have seen it, and all of a sudden you realize, holy schmoly, like Tommy Boy, holy shnikes, God did all of that. And Psalm 103 lets us know that his mercy endures forever. Amen. So go with me to Psalm 103. We're going to do a, uh, take you on a little journey today uh, that leads into the Torah study. Psalm 103 says, Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart I will praise His holy name. Just before we went live on Zoom, we heard that song, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Oh, my soul, worship his holy name. What a great song, Psalm 103. And verse 2 says, let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things that he's done for me. He forgives me all my sins. Hallelujah. If that's all Jesus ever did was die on the cross so your sins could be forgiven and you could spend eternity with the Lord and in His amazing grace forever, when you've been there 10,000 years, it'll be like you just begun. You couldn't praise Him enough, but He did so much more. That's where understanding the covenant comes in. It begins there. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. 
Disease is an enemy of the gospel. It's an enemy of every Christian. And with all of our heart, with all of our strength, with all of our might, with every prophetic ounce of anointing in us, we need to push back against sickness and disease. Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. By the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. Number four, verse four, he redeems me from death. We don't have to fear death anymore. He redeems me from death. He redeems us from eternal death. And he redeems us from death that happens in this world today. Give us a vision, Lord, of being redeemed from addiction and anger and divorce and depression and poverty, temptation and sin, and a list of 101 different things. Somebody say, we've been redeemed. He crowns me with love and tender mercies. Hallelujah. Do you feel that way this morning? Do you feel like you have uh, the love of God working in you? Do, you? do you know that you're walking around and put a smile on your face knowing that God loves me? Even from a, a little kid, Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. And his tender mercies are a crown in my life, in your life, the mercies of God. And we're, we'll get into more of this. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. For all of us card-carrying AARP folk. <laughs> Amen. Uh, I, I'm filing for my Social Security benefits this year. <clears throat> I waited until I'll be 70. I'll be 70 this year. So I'm filing for my Social Security. Man, it seems like I was just in college. And now I'm filing for Social Security. May the Lord renew my life, your life, like that of the eagles. And we keep soaring. We keep flying. I believe I can fly. The Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. We're talking about covenant here. Why do we bless the Lord? Have you been treated unrighteously? Somebody on your job, the boss, the government, some attorney, some situation has come against you, your family. It's repeating itself and it's just not right, Lord. It's not right that this stuff keeps happening. Well, you got a covenant promise right there. Father, thank you for treating me with righteousness, treating me with justice, uh, and especially for those that keep speaking against me. No weapon formed against my life will prosper, and any tongue that rises up in judgment unfairly against me, Father, thank you. You'll condemn that thing. You'll reverse that curse and give me that fair treatment that I deserve. Psalm 103. It'll preach, won't it? Sometimes you just got to get scriptures out like this and preach to yourself. 
Because the devil goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, but not on my watch, not in my house, not in my life. I invoke the power of the covenant, the blood-bought promises of God. May they be activated in your life, in my life. And if we got to lather, rinse, and repeat that thing a thousand and one times, so be it. Now this next section uh, connects directly to today's message on the mercies of God. The mercy of God. Psalm 103 verse 7. He revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. Someone say, mercy, mercy. You sound like a Motown song. The Lord is slow to get angry. Hallelujah. And filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us, nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sin. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of heavens above the earth. He has removed our sin as far as the east is from the west. Praise God. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. Verse 14, for he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. Our days on earth are like grass, like wild flowers we bloom and die. The wind blows and we are gone, as though we had never been here. But the love of the Lord remains forever with those who fear him. His salvation extends to his children's children of those who are, watch this, faithful to his covenant of those who obey his commandments. Hallelujah. There's more to Psalm 103, but we need to move on. How many of you could say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Bless the Lord, oh, my soul. Amen. What we just read is covenant language. All right. How many of you speak covenant language? I see that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand, that covenant language. The, the, The world would have you speak worldly language. But you are not of this world. You are strangers and aliens passing through on a journey to the sweet by and by. And God has given us a language of faith, a covenant language that Psalm 103 is talking about. And we need to adopt that language. We need to adapt our lives to that kind of language for the rest of our lives. Amen? Now here's what I want to delve a little bit deeper into today out of verse 7, Psalm 103, verse 7. He revealed his character to Moses. 
When did he do that? He did that in today's Torah study. He revealed to Moses his character. He revealed his grace and mercy to Moses, to Israel, and how many of you can testify he continues to reveal his grace and mercy in my life? I was a dead man walking, and now I am full of the life of God, and I will live forever in the presence of the Lord. Amen. And the more you study the covenant, the more God will reveal to you his nature, his character. And he does this in today's Torah study in response to one of Israel's most egregious displays of rebellion. I mean, Israel not only had a bad day... (laughs) What they did in this Torah study was going to sentence them to a life of death because they committed one of the most heinous sins against God, a sin of idolatry. Forty days after receiving the Bible, they made a golden calf and they worshiped an idol made of gold. McFly. (laughs) So after this catastrophic sin, Moses ascends back up to the top of Mount Sinai. And he's pleading with God to forgive the Jewish people. Forty days of pleading. And praise God, Moses' prayer and intercession was accepted. At one point, it's in Psalm, or excuse me, Exodus 32, God says, look, if you're going to blot Israel out of the book for their mistake, whatever merit I have, whatever uh, 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 favor that I've earned in your sight, blot my name out for their sakes. What a picture of what the Lord has done, what Jesus has done, Amen. Most of the people did repent. In fact, this is what led to the very first Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. The very first Yom Kippur happened after the sin of the golden calf. Moses goes up, intercedes, don't don't wipe Israel out, don't start over, Lord, forgive them, forgive them. And God accepted that, gave a second set of the Ten Commandments, and Moses came back down from the mountain on the very first Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And it signified that even though you committed the ugliest sin, the most hideous sin you could ever, especially just a few weeks after, what you saw the fire on the mountain, you heard the voice of God. He was making a covenant with the people. Up to three million people heard. And to this day, Yom Kippur, the holiest day on the Bible calendar, 
It signifies that God had forgiven Israel, that whatever uh, was broken in the covenant was going to be restored, and we could move on to our li- uh, with our lives with a new beginning and a clean slate and a fresh start. And what God did for Israel 3,400 years, he's still doing this morning. He's a God of forgiveness, a God of mercy, mercy. Someone say mercy, mercy me. Praise God. So during this time on the mountain, as Moses is interceding, he asked the Lord to give the Jewish people a way to obtain mercy should they ever fall into sin again in the future. This is when Moses says to the Lord, show me your glory. Have you ever been in church with someone or heard of a song? Show me your glory, Lord. This is where it happened. This is where it happened. Show me your glory. And God did. Hallelujah. God showed Moses his glory in a very unique way because he passes before Moses, who is kind of uh, in between the cleft of the rock. And God proclaims something in front of Moses, something very affectionate, very loving, and, and it's known as the 13 attributes of mercy. The 13 attributes. You can type that in to your search engine and read about that. The 13 attributes of mercy. Now let me just say this. The word glory in this instance, show me your glory, Lord, is used uh, in a way that could be translated a heavy weight. It refers to the heaviest, the biggest, the grandest thing about someone. Show me what is the weightiest, the heaviest, the most awesome thing about you, Lord. Show me your glory. It's the sum total of someone's worth. So what Moses is actually saying to the Lord is, Lord, I want to see the weightiest thing about you. I want to know what your grandest attributes are out of everything you represent. All of your divine nature, sum it up to me right now in the face of the most grievous sin that Israel would ever commit, the sin of the golden calf. And how did God respond? Go with me to Exodus 34 and see it for yourself. Exodus 34, 6 and 7. God tells Moses, as he passes before him, he proclaims, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. The weightiest thing. 
what God wanted uh, to speak over Moses, over Israel, over you and I to this very day is this is the essence of who I am. I am the Lord God Almighty. I am merciful, I am gracious, I am patient and long-suffering. My goodness and truth know no end, know no limit. I keep mercy not only in your life active, but for a thousand generations to come because you have kept my covenant. And obviously they kept it because they were repenting. When I went to Bible college, I learned that uh, the difference between grace and mercy, there's a difference. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. You don't deserve anything. But because of what Jesus Christ did to connect you to the covenant, you deserve everything now. Not based on your own merit, based on his merit. But mercy is not getting what you do deserve. And that's where Israel's at. They commit this grievous sin of the worshiping the golden calf 40 days after getting the Bible. They should have gotten something. You deserve something for that, Israel. And the Bible talks about sin. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. And so today we find Israel not getting what they do deserve. And we learn a little more about why. It's based on God revealing himself to his people at the deepest level of who he is as God. He is a God of love. He is a God of mercy. His mercy endures forever. Who's with me on that? Who's feeling that this morning? No matter what I've done, no matter what I deserve, God is rich in mercy. He's not going give to me, give me what I do deserve. He's going to give me what I don't deserve. I don't deserve the blessing of the Lord. But thanks be to Jesus. And in this case, thanks be to Moses, a type of Jesus, a type of Messiah, a type of Redeemer, a type of a Deliverer, who interceded and stood in the gap and said, Don't blot them out, Lord. Blot me out. If anyone's got to die for this sin, send me in their place. That's why we can say Psalm 103, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Are you getting this? Lamentations 3.22 says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Oh, thank you, Lord. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Your mercy is new every morning in my life. I'm not going to get what I do deserve. Every morning. Why every morning? Because probably the night before we were messing up. (laughs) 
And then that's where you get the song and the line, Great is thy faithfulness, Lamentations 3. Great is thy faithfulness. Come on. Psalm 86.5 says, For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in mercy to all those who call upon you. Abundant in mercy, the very essence of God. Deuteronomy 4.31 For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not forsake you nor destroy you nor forget the covenant of your fathers which he swore. Thank God we serve a covenant-keeping God who says I'll never leave you or forsake you or neglect you or abandon you, especially if you draw close to me. When we mess up, run to God. Mercy, Lord. And his mercy endures forever. It's fresh every morning. It, there's never an end to it. You can't exhaust the supply. You don't run out. God never runs out of his mercy. But I sin. So then ask for forgiveness and he's faithful and just to forgive you because he's at the very core. He's a merciful God. Proverbs 28, 13. He who covers his sin will not prosper. Right? Can't sweep it under the rug. That's not the prescribed method to clean up your life and get right with God. Don't cover your sin. He who confesses and forsakes their sin will have mercy. They'll have mercy. Didn't say forgiveness, although forgiveness is a part of mercy. They use the word, King Solomon used the word mercy. So Israel blows it big time. One of the most serious sins in their history, yet God in his mercy forgives them and restores the broken relationship. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. He's not looking to punish us. He's forgiving and merciful towards us. And he's provided us the cure for the wages of sin. Amen? And that requires a little humility, doesn't it? Set your pride aside. Try to do that in the shower every morning. His mercies are fresh every morning. Lord, wash me clean as I'm getting ready for my day. Wash me clean. Let the power of the blood, the power of the cross, the power of the word, your mercy, your love, your compassion just flow over me and give me a new beginning, a fresh start so I can go about the Lord's business today. And if you blow it, which inevitably we will, <laughs> you're not probably robbing a bank. You're not probably selling heroin. Uh, but you did something. You were cross. You were mean. You were uh, this, that, or the other thing. And, uh, but God says that if you'll humble yourself and sincerely repent, that he will redeem you from the destructive effects of sin because he's a merciful God. 
Oh, if we would know that. God is not an angry God. He's slow to anger. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to a knowledge of the love of God and the truth of God's word and get on with it. Don't get stuck in a moment. Some people did something 10 years ago and they can't get out of that moment. In the name and by the blood, come out of that moment. And into a new beginning. Because God loves you. He's merciful. He has a plan for your life. And he wants you to move on. If he, if he throws your sin as far as the east is from the west, then you're entitled to do that too. Not flippantly, not arrogantly, not like, aha, I put one over on everybody. Not that. God, I'm so sorry. I don't want to live this way. I need something to transform me. I need the power of your word, the power of your Holy Spirit to transform me. Do that work in my life today, merciful God. That kind of stuff works. Anybody find that to be true? <laughs> it works. Despite our worst moments, our most serious mistakes, God's love is higher, is deeper, is wider than you could ever imagine. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. <laughs> Amen. So, today we're given these 13 attributes of mercy. Mm. And in fact, the Jewish people are so smart that for centuries, for a couple thousand years or more, uh, they turned these 13 attributes of mercies into daily prayers. <laughs> oh, that's legalistic. No, that's pretty smart if you ask me. I'm going to take what God said reveals my essence and I'm going to bring that up every day because <laughs> I need the mercy of God every day. In the Hebrew, it could be said this way. Exodus 34, 6 and 7 in, in the Hebrew Bible, Hashem. Hashem God, Elohim, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abundant in kindness and truth, preserver of kindness for a thousands of generations, forgiver of iniquity, willful sin and error, and who cleanses. Now there's a lot of interpretation in ancient Jewish wisdom that explains these 13 attributes of God's mercy, I'm just going to share with you some general things. Uh, the first thing that God mentions is his name, Hashem. That very name denotes the mercy of God. So God at the very start of, show me your glory. Show me the weightiest thing, the heaviest thing, the most important thing about you and your nature, Lord. And God says, Hashem, the characteristic of mercy. And it's come to mean God is merciful before a person sins. Does God know everything? 
He knows what's going to happen. He knows we're going to blow it. He knows we're going to miss the mark. He knows we're going to fall short. And he's saying to Moses, to Israel, and to us today, I know what you're about to do, but I'm still a merciful God. And I will keep the door open to you. Even though temptation and sin is about to overtake you, the door is open because I am a merciful God. (laughs) I I mean, come on, somebody. (laughs) This is the God we serve. Then he says Hashem a second time. And uh, again, this is just one of many ancient uh, Jewish interpretations that God is merciful even after someone sins or backslides. You prodigal son, throw the, God's going to throw the book at you. No, he's not. If you'll come to your senses and come back to the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me, I lost my mind, I'm so sorry, just cleanse me, forgive me, restore me. God says, even if you backslide, I'll be merciful. I'll always accept sincere repentance. And then it says the name God, Elohim, Hashem God. And this signifies God's incredible power to be merciful. It's so great and so awesome that God's love, God's compassion, God's mercy for us surpasses the level of kindness and compassion even in the name of Hashem. Hashem can't cover how merciful I'll be towards you. My gosh. I feel good. I feel good. Thank you, Lord. This is the God I want to serve. I don't want, I don't want some doctrine of man being telling me, God is watching you. <laughs> I worked with a guy years ago when I got saved. He is a Christian, but he came out of a different thing, and he had a sign in his cubicle. It looked like it was like it was just in black pen. God is watching you. And I would look at that, and I'm thinking, because I'm just born again, thinking, uh, I'm not sure I buy into that. Yeah, God is watching us, but not to get us. Number four, compassionate. God always believes the best in us. Compassionate. He always believes the best in us. He's patient and long-suffering. He's not rushing to punish the guilty. He's a lenient judge. He's not looking to throw the book at you. Amen. Number five, gracious. Our God has loving kindness even for the most undeserving. That's a tough one to get your mind around. I don't know how bad you were before Christ, but I was a bad boy. Bad boy, bad boy, what you going to (laughs) do? Everything I could. He saves people, gracious, from the agony of sin. 
Sin brings with it agony. You're agonizing over things even as a Christian. You're agonizing over things. And and God doesn't want you stuck in that place of constantly agonizing over your life. Let God's mercy cleanse you. Let God's mercy touch you in a way that will take you beyond the agony, beyond the pain, beyond the suffering. God will do that for you. He did it for me. Has he done it for anybody? And I see your hands. Wow. Sick, slow to anger. Mm. God has a level of patience and tolerance for us messing up more than we could ever. Because, look, I got a three-year-old grandson at home, and he is constantly doing something I wish he wouldn't be doing. And I got to remember, Scott, don't be throwing the book at him. If that's all he gets from you is throwing the book, it ain't going to be a good relationship moving forward. It's the goodness of God that leads men and children to repent. God, give me the level of patience and tolerance that goes beyond my natural mind. So instead of always rushing to judgment, isn't that what we do in our human nature? We're always rushing to judgment. We'll never rush to judgment against ourselves. I didn't really mean to do it that way. But anybody else? That messes up, we'll rush to judgment. Man, we are judge, jury, and executioner, and we'll do that 10 times a day and, you know, 20 on Sunday. So instead of immediate judgment, God gives people, sinners, plenty of opportunity to reflect and repent and improve. Amen? Number seven, abundant in kindness. This is a long list. I love this list. God said, when you encounter sin in your life, go to this list. Put me in remembrance of my word. Put yourself in remembrance of who I am. And I am abundant in kindness, even towards those that don't have any integrity. They have no personal merit in their life. They've done nothing. What have you done for the Lord? Nothing. Nothing, honey. Well, how are you going to get merit in your life, favor in your life? If you're not doing anything kind, if you're not doing anything righteous, if you're not doing anything holy, if you're not doing anything to make the world a better place, how do you store up treasure in heaven? Your bank account is empty. And people want, well, how come God ain't doing anything for me? You just hold on yourself. Because with the same measure that you give it out, it comes back to you, Jesus said, Luke 6.38. In other words, what goes around, comes around. Instant karma is going to get you. Number eight, truth. God is a God of truth. He never reneges on his word. 
He never goes back on his promise. How many of y'all live with family, father, mother that kept breaking promise after promise after promise? You uh, people you work with, oh, I promise uh, when we get to, I'll give you the biggest raise you ever got in your life. And three years later, you're still waiting. God doesn't do that. But he doesn't do that to those who serve him and keep his covenant. And the Holy Ghost is given to us so that we know, where did I miss it? Where did I miss the mark? Why don't I have the favor? Why am I not experiencing the blessing? What's going on that that I take one step forward and three steps back? Why does this keep repeating itself? It's not God. You missed it along the way. You must have got lost along the way and misunderstood a principle. You're misapplying. You're not rightly dividing. And God will show you today, in this moment, in the next service, in the praise and worship at some point, if you'll just cry out to him, Lord God of mercy, I keep experiencing everything that you said I shouldn't deserve. How do I get out of that cycle? Call on the name of Hashem, the God of mercy, the God who's abundant in kindness, the God of truth. Number nine, the God that preserves kindness for thousands of generations. It means what you're establishing as a believing believer passes on. There's a spiritual cause and effect that you're passing down because of your love for God, your commitment to the Lord, and that little grandson, that granddaughter of yours, that little niece or nephew that always comes to you because you're the only bright and shining light in their lives. That's passing down. Don't take that for granted or don't treat that as some light thing. Number 10, the forgiver of iniquity. Ancient wisdom says God forgives the intentional sinner if and when he or she repents. Even if you intended on sinning. Oh man, I'm a married man, but I tell you what, she's looking good. And all of a sudden you find yourself in a place you ought not be in. Sin will always take you farther than you want to go. Sin will keep you there longer than you want to stay. And sin will make you pay more than you want to pay. But God, if we'll repent, he'll say, come back to me. Your sins are forgiven. I'll take that and hurl that thing as far as the east is from the west. Number 11, willful sin. Even those who purposely angered God are allowed to repent. So if somebody messes with you willfully, you don't have to be their best friend moving forward, but you can turn that thing over to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm having a tough time with so-and-so, but I know that you will forgive them. Let forgiveness be extended. I, I, I need faith just to even accept that because what I'm seeing, I, I'll give it to the moon, Alice, to the moon. 
Turn it over to God. Cast your care upon the Lord. Number 12, error. Sins committed out of carelessness or apathy. You know, I didn't know I was, uh, this was, speed limit was 35. Well, I clocked you going 72. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't realize. I was ignorant. I didn't see the sign. How many Christians don't see the signs? And they commit sin out of carelessness. Or you've been around, but you just, uh, God probably doesn't care, so, you know, I'll get away with it. He'll forgive that. If you come to your senses and say, OMG, what have I been? Lord. And then number 13, he who cleanses. God wipes away every sin. Amen. Amen. He wipes away every sin. And that's our status with the Lord this morning. Every sin is forgiven. Every curse is broken. And every covenant promise is restored in our lives. In the name, by the word, and by the blood of Yeshua, it's true. Amen this morning. Well, if you receive that this morning, give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah. More power to you.